is it the mark of a good vocal coach if they have flipped you off in your lessons at least like three times now? <laughs> is that I just asking for a friend, not me. Just asking in general. I have some questions I before questions. I adequately answer this. He doesn't do it on purpose. <laughs> just oh. kind of happens. So he'll record all of our stuff because we do it on Zoom because my vocal coach is actually in South Carolina. So he and I meet on Zoom once a week and he records all of my sessions. But the first time what he was talking about was when you go to sing, there are three things that you need. But he was talking about three legs of a stool and he made the comment, if you take one of the legs away and that's where the finger came from. Oh, and so then he using, went, oh my God. Using the fingers as a little diorama. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. And so gotcha. he did it accidentally. And then the next two times have been because like the way his fingers like show up in the camera, like it looks like he's doing it. And I oh, just, okay. I've just taken it now. And so every time he does it, I go, God, Mike, do you need to flip me off again? I'm trying to do what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But I, you know, in doing this show with you for, you know, 15 musicals and, and multiple episodes, I had not really understood the value of going back into vocal coaching because, you know, for years I just did shows and I was told that I could sing and I went, oh, that's cool. I will just sing and I will be loud and people will like it and it will be fine. But now I'm in this spot where I am learning new things every time I go into a session, things that I didn't know my voice could do. And I am shocked that after six lessons, there are things that I can sing that I never thought I could. Your your song that you put into our Spotify playlist from Beetlejuice, Barbara 2.0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I sang Barbara 2.0. Oh, so good. And I'm like, okay, I am no Carrie Butler. Yes. See, I am no Carrie Butler. That was not how that riff goes, but (laughs) Um, that's Carrie Butler's part. Hey, let's do it. I think think that was more like Frozen 2. (laughs) I'm very proud. I'm so proud of you, though, that you're actually going back and like doing the thing because I I love it I you know anytime one gets to like work on their craft perfect their craft like that should be celebrated and loved and you know it's just proves that talent can be worked on just like the show that we're gonna be doing today oh my god Steven well then what do we do but we gotta take this show from from the the top top. from the top on five six seven Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of From the Top, your favorite musical theater cast and review. My name is Mary. I'm Steven. And tonight we are back on the marquee uh, with we, we, the us, are uh, standing on the marquee, putting up the thing. We are. The royal we. We are. (laughs) Why are you putting an H in it, Steven? Don't put an H in it. Whip. 
Cool whip. No, say cool. Cool. Now say whip. Whip. Now say cool whip. Cool whip. Damn it, Steven! <laughs> but we are back at the booth this evening, and we are talking about Ruthless, and we are going into show notes for Ruthless. I <laughs> keep thinking about this show, actually. Oh, do you? Okay. Like, <clears throat> I... I don't know if, like, over time things have shifted. I don't know if this this little this little moment with the the span of time between us recording the physical show versus this show notes show. Uh-huh. I don't know if some of my opinions have changed. <gasps> I don't no. know. Really? So I think I know. I'm. I'm. It's weird. It's weird. I'm kind of excited to get into it with you then. Like, yeah, I love right? an opinion change. That's yeah. But we do have a couple things we need to correct first. As in no. Notes from a director. If it isn't asking too much, will you please show me a little? All right, now, once again, give it some. I have a notebook, pencils, pen, multiple pencils. Multiple, what? multicolored. Multicolored highlighters. Color coded, highlight it. Yes. yes. Give me, give me the tea. What did we forget? We were, we were okay in this one, and I say that sometimes. We, we were pretty okay. <laughs> I say that sometimes, not to give you hope, but to give you facts. <laughs> we didn't completely ruin ourselves, is what I'll say. <gasps> okay. What, what we did, like we, we just sort of like missed some stuff and things uh, got real muddy. Ooh, so I, I want to clarify some stuff for our listeners and okay. I want to I wanna double back on some things. Sure. So, number one, uh, when we were giving cast list and, and telling all these names, because so many of these characters are so many people. Louise Lerman is the little girl that Tina ends up killing yes. <laughs> to, oh. to get yeah. to get the the lead in the school play. We didn't really make it substantial that Louise is a role in this show. And oh. we get to see her perform and like do her things and be bad. Oh. Which is why we kind of forgive Tina a little bit for like yeah, I'd kill her too. So, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So Louise is double played by Eve, who is then the assistant to Ginger Del Marco in second act. Yes. Who ends up being Betty Lerman, who is Louise's mother. Mm-hmm. This woman is playing triple duty, right? She is Louise Lerman, the little kid who Tina offs. Then she gets to play Eve, who is the assistant to Ginger Del Marco in wow. the second act, who then transforms into Betty Lerman. So no wonder we kind of <laughs> yeah. muffled that. Holy cow. There's, there's, she goes on a journey. She goes on her own journey. But I just Jeez. wanted to make that a point sure. <laughs> of correction. Yeah. Louise is a role in this show. Thank you. I, yeah, I completely... Why it, would it, we not even talk about that? Well, we probably did, but it just wasn't... <laughs> It wasn't clear. That's fair. At any point of time. That's fair. Everything everything about all... Whenever I start dropping these names, I go into this catatonic state of unclear. (laughs) (laughs) Then we were talking about this drag queen that was found on a cruise ship and then was brought into Sylvia St. Croix. I never dropped the actual name of this person, and I wanted to maybe give that a little bit of light. Um, Joel Vig was the name of the original Sylvia St. Croix. Okay. And he he sort of went on to go do some other stuff on Broadway, uh, mostly noted for some hairspray roles, and he understudied a lot of stuff. Oh, sure. Um, including even Edna. So, I mean, there's oh, this whole drag through line, which yay. is fun. Then, thinking about it, I didn't even get to mention uh, Laura Bell Bundy was an, the OG Tina. So, like, Laura Bell Bundy, mostly known for her role as Elle Woods in <gasps> Legally Blonde. Oh. 
and like she's sort of her own weird Broadway royalty. Like she's, I believe she's done Glinda and like sure. all these other fun roles yeah. and guess. I'm going to give you one guess oh, as to who else was cast double as this child actor at this period of time in 1992 because child actors need more breaks on stage, right? You need they get more nights off than the regular person. Right. I will give you one guess as to the other female who was cast as Tina in 92. Mary, open up your millennial brain. Think, 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 think. Um, Stephen, I couldn't even tell you no idea no. you're gonna be full lord oh my god tell me a1 britney spears <gasps> no oh my god no yeah <laughs> we're talking mickey mouse club era britney spears like oh, christina and like cute. justin timberlake and old mickey mouse club yeah this was one of her first things she All got right. to play tina britney spears okay that is like that you are right that blew my ever-loving mind i thought it was jean benet ramsey <laughs> no it would have been the right time because i think she disappeared in 94 oh okay okay so then i wasn't terribly off base anyway whatever no that's idea. that's for yeah. our true crime podcast that we're gonna do eventually oh my gosh i still feel like i i have like ptsd walking by the tabloid section oh it's just seeing her face plastered there for a decade right it was just like all like so long well anyway. now there's a resurgence of it like it's oh right? my god people just will not let it go which is fine i mean don't let it go it's they cold case, but anyway who do, you, who do you think did it was uh, it the dad mm, was it the brother it was, was it the mom it was no <gasps> it was it oh, oh my god this pulls right back into our show it was mom and she was jealous of the daughter and she was I getting was, all the <gasps> i know steven it all connects oh my gosh do we need to make a john benny ramsey musical oh. that's in poor taste right <laughs> It's been 20 uh, <laughs> years. Statute of limitations. Nah, you can you That's can do that fair. now. You're fine. Absolutely You're fair. Fine. The next note from a director probably is just because we go off on tangents and <gasps> let's do? just see. What? What? Huh? I don't. I don't. Us? Do you? No. No. Okay. But if we did, I think we need just to clearly, concisely, are these three like sort of sub characters of Lita Encore, Myrna Thorne, who's our teacher, mm -hmm. and Sylvia, and how they sort of connect and tie into our sort of main through-line storyline. Okay. And what, what these are. So let's clear some of this up. Okay. Myrna Thorne is the elementary school teacher mm -hmm. who is a dropout actress, essentially, because mm -hmm. she gave up and had her fallback mm -hmm. <laughs> career <laughs> to go teach little kids and be their drama teacher. Right. She is trying or try to teach hard life lessons, we'll say. Yes. To Tina by not giving her the lead. Yes. Saying, hey, you don't always get what you want. Tina's not used to that. Ergo sets off this. She's essentially the catalyst for making Tina go crazy. Right. And want to kill Louise. And then we have Lita Encore, who is our theater critic mm -hmm. and mother Alleged mother of Alleged. Judy Denmark, Allegedly. a.k.a. Ginger Del Marco. Now, Lita Encore wrote an autobiographical sort of expose mm -hmm. on Ruth Del Marco, who we find out is Judy Denmark's mother. Yes. Called The Life and Times of Ruth Del Marco. That essentially was the catalyst for Ruth, quote, ending her own life. Yes. We find out... Lita goes into Ruth Del Marco's dressing room mm -hmm. and grabs the then baby Ginger and transforms her 
into Judy Denmark. Yes. Okay. Yes. It's all coming together now. Yes. I'm so I, am I just sad wanted to we, like Yeah, that we didn't clarify just that. Just superbly clarify that just because like that's how oddly interconnected all of that is. Yeah. Thus we then have to layer in Sylvia St. Croix. Yes. Who is in fact moonlighting as Sylvia St. Croix because she is Ruth, Ruth Del Marco, Del Marco yep. who is now come back and wanting to be a part of her family's lives, mm-hmm. mostly maybe Tina's. That so. is good clarification because because of the fact that this show utilizes double casting, it utilizes a lot of subterfuge. There's a lot of people who are not who they say they are. It is important, I think, to be able to clarify how some of those characters connect because it does lead to a lot of points in the plot that are important for character development that you're not going to understand if you don't know how people are interacting with one another. So yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's hard even just to vocally explain in sort of a podcast way. This is how this goes without it being clear as mud. And we were (laughs) clear as mud. (laughs) We almost have to draw a Venn diagram to show. I I need a Venn diagram. I I feel like that crazy picture of of what's his butt pointing to like Mm -hmm. Charlie Day pointing to the red yarn lines. The red 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 string theory. Listen, this is how this goes. See, I imagined that uh, I imagined you as that after our initial watch of this, just with one hand on a bunch of pictures of all these people with a cigarette going. Now, listen here. Here is how this goes. <laughs> That's how I feel. That's how I feel. I love but, it. Um, really, that was all there was from notes from a director because we we were pretty clear on okay all the facts and all the figures. We just needed to clarify and just sort of double back on some of the things that weren't so clear. Okay, so. that's not terrible. I didn't have to pull out every single pencil and all of my highlighters. I just did a few. Exactly. That's fine. Just okay. three colors and one highlighter. It's Great. Okay. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I guess that means we can swiftly move on to the place no actor wants to find themselves in. I think I just forgot my line. Use those eyes. Tell me telepathically. Because I am a good scene partner and I can help you. (laughs) I, some things that maybe we didn't get to cover or just, you know, time is a thing. We are constrained by, by, you know, the laws of the universe. Yes. So I wanted to go over a weird fact that I find just fascinating. I love weird facts. I love about this show. We talked about Joel Paley and he's one of the creators of this show. Mm -hmm. Um, He actually performs in this show as Sylvia now and again. Shut up. Wait, what? I love this. Okay, that's awesome. Love it. Because it's it just I feel that's so absolutely amazing and rare that the creator of a show, the writer of a show, the builder actually has the chops and want and ability to like perform in their own shows. That doesn't happen. You don't hear about that. So I wanted to put that out. And it was the main one that he's mostly known for is in this revised 2015 version, because like I I did say, they are continuously revising and editing the show even now to this day. Sure. And I actually do prefer this most recent revised version. A lot of that sort of extraneous stuff is like cut. And so like the fat's trimmed and it's really, really tight. And so I do prefer this version to older versions, but yeah, he took up the mental of Sylvia in its 2015 debut. And it, I, it's the version I think that we got to watch together. Oh, fun. I know. I just, I 
love it. I love, love, love it. And I just thought that needed to be put out into the ether as maybe something to talk about. I did enjoy the... uh the Sylvia portrayal from the Broadway HD version that we were able to watch because it was just, it it was campy without being off-putting. And I think that that's a real talent to be able to do that because with, with being campy in my humble unasked for opinion, there <laughs> is a certain limit to where it gets gaudy and it's no longer fun to watch and it right. just gets disgusting. The actor who portrayed Sylvia St. Croix was so good in being able to kind of give us the caricature of what a, you know, an old theater marm, an old agent is like without it, it being balance. off-putting. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, I really enjoy campy shows that I, I think we talk about it a little bit with a show and maybe other shows we've seen when they add a stylization to this camp Yeah, that is just where the money shot is for me. It's just so gorgeous when these things can overlap with style and camp. Um, It just everything from synchronized movement together to just how everyone is using their onstage time to portray their character. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't know if you know what I mean by that or I don't know if the world at large knows what I mean by that. But it's the second you walk out on stage, you know you have a distinct way of portraying your character and each and every other person on stage is doing the exact same energy-wise, effort-wise, and with that same effort and styling. Oh, absolutely. And it is just beautiful. And that's what this show needs and calls for. And the one we watched had that down to a T. And it was, it was it, those are the shows that are fun to watch. And that's what I really, really enjoy. Yeah, and if you don't have that energy, then the show will drag or the show will die. And I feel like, I mean, we talked about it in the last episode, but I feel like if there hadn't been that energy to push this story along, I would have stopped watching 20 minutes into it because it wouldn't have been compelling for me. Kind of a funny segue into this next thing. I, I have a gut reaction question for you. Is the music in this show memorable? No. I agree with you 100%. (laughs) I do. I almost, the so the second you said that and I said no, and of course my anxiety went, no, no, you should have said yes. I don't actually, with a lot of the other shows that we've done, I will find myself kind of, I always sing Strange Magic because apparently Xanadu is now just in my core memory forever. In your core memory, it's okay. And, but I do not recall in the last length of time singing anything from Ruthless. Not to say the music isn't good in the moment when you listen to it. No, I, it didn't stick with me. <gasps> yeah, none of these songs are sticking with me. I, I, am, I do think about Tina's mother a lot because now I have it in my brain that I want to do this for an audition one day. Ooh. So I, I am thinking about that song and that song only. Sure. But that's for my own selfish reasons. That's not for like a reason <laughs> about the show. But you. what I'm thinking about with a show are moments from the show. I'm yes. not thinking about yes. funny moments I belly rolled over yeah. or, or things that I thought, oh, that's just clever mm-hmm. or, oh, I love how they did that. That's what I think about with the show. And so cannot say I enjoy the music of this show. It's not a show that I'm going to be leaving the theater humming, humming. something from. Yes. But <gasps> I'm going to have had a good time. I'm wow. this is this is so obscure and I might I don't even know if I can bring up this show without it getting like an X rating. Uh, uh, <clears throat> oh my god, what? Yeah. This show actually reminds me of one of the most obscure niche 
<laughs> musicals I will ever mention ever. Tell okay? me. Just tell me. Naked Boys Singing is the name of the show. Why do I know that show? It's essentially a review show about like 12 gay men and they are butt naked on stage for no reason other than to be naked and they are just singing in a musical and performing and after a while you just kind of forget they're naked but there's nothing memorable about the show other than the fact that they're naked but there are a couple songs where i'm like oh i actually have one of their songs in my like audition packet it's called the entertainer and i i love it It, this show reminds me of that show because it's superbly styled there's not really any reason for it except to be entertaining and the style of music is very very similar was there a song in that show called beat your meat Yes. (gasps) Yes. <gasps> I totally watched that in my freshman year of college with my roommate. There we go. Wow, that was a core memory that just got unlocked. But do, yep. you, do are you kind of seeing like yeah music style is somewhat similar like the level of camp is there but like there's some good moments in the show but it's not really there i don't know i just find it really funny that for some reason over the course of when we recorded this show to the time i'm thinking about this i've been thinking more about that show in the context of this show and it's just the weirdest thing that is about the funniest six degrees of separation connection I think you and I have had to date. Hey, maybe we'll have to cover Naked Boys singing in next season. Fantastic. Just to have it be a thing. Yes, done. Perfect. Last little talking point about the show that we we didn't get to go too in-depth on. Uh, They're all nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Babe, babe, this we knew. Nuts. Like cray-cray. Like like, like Nick's nuts. Bonafide cray-cray. Bonafide. (laughs) Bonafide certified. We'll talk about this more as in like a, uh, in the style of camp shows, we give passes to a lot of content. Yes, absolutely. Like, I, I, I know I do it. Oh, I because, do it too. Because, because it's a campy show. It's not trying to make a statement. And I it, it sort of has this, um, I'll, I'll equate it to like those early 2000s to 2010, like raunchy, the water boys of the world. Yeah. The, the anything with Will Ferrell in that time. Anything that, <laughs> you know, the Pauly Shore films that we just allow to exist with oh, no repercussion, right? Pauly Shore, oh boy. So, but what what I'm posing, we let the show get away with a lot of crap. <laughs> <laughs> Do we give it a pass? Do we let all of this crazy, like, is this a good mold to be like putting in front of people to say like, oh, this is a way of motherhood. Oh, this is something that we need to think about. Or should we question it a little harder in that it's actually a pretty naughty show <laughs> that needs a little time out? <laughs> Do we ground it? Do we send it to its room for killing the girl with a jump rope? <laughs> oh, man. You know, if I, I will never go down this life path, but were I a parent, I probably would do a little bit more punishment than just you should go to your room for murdering <laughs> one of your classmates in cold freaking blood. This is a really excellent question and I'm really glad that you're asking this because I know, yeah, personally, when I watch something and I'm going into it knowing that it is a campy show and the camp isn't a surprise, I will give it a pass 1000% 
more readily than I would if the camp were a surprise. So if I go in thinking that it is a genuine, authentic show, and then I'm shown that, I'm like, um, no, I actually will get harsher if that's the case. So yeah. I think because of the fact that it is stated from, it really is kind of stated from the beginning that this show is a farce. It is camp to the max. We allow ourselves the ability to be able to kind of relax into that and go, well, this would never happen in real life. But yeah. because we have bought into the universe so readily from the start, I think it allows us to have some rose-colored glasses with it. And so, I mean, yeah, could we sit here and, and pick it apart realistically? Oh, absolutely. But I feel I'm going to call back to, you know, one of the episodes that we talked about where you mentioned that sometimes theater does not need to have a meaning that is shoved down your throat. It can just be kind of a fun ride. And I think that this is absolutely like if John Waters made a musical, it would be this because of the extremes that it goes to. And that the world, the people in the world who are building it buy into the extreme. It makes me want to do it as an audience member because they're telling me this is this is normal. So I go, oh, shoving your classmates off a catwalk for a role. That's normal. Sure, I'd do that. <laughs> so I think it just really is a good a good kind of palate cleanser, I guess, in that way. And that yeah. is why it's easier to not pick apart the camp because like this is a harsh question because like it's it's essentially asking like do we judge art do we you know not allow someone to voice this because we it's it it's culturally inappropriate or something it's not quite right. so pc or right. it's not something that you know is good per se but one i think the title of the show gives it a pass in a way it's called yeah. ruthless like what what is ruthless right yeah like where we go in understanding oh they're, they're going to be bad to each other. Oh, this, this, this stuff's going to go down. There's no surprise but, there. Uh, yeah. And thinking about the source material, she wasn't she a good was, kid. She was a little off. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I, I like this more as an existential question, just overall, like, should we be giving these campy shows these sort of passes? And I absolutely love your answer. And I think it's kind of where I land, too, in that when it's a surprise to me, that's kind of the problem when it's marketed one way and I'm not given the choice mm -hmm. when Absolutely. I'm blind, when I'm blindsided with something that I didn't consent to, that's a little, consent um, is key. yeah, I will always remind myself of this and I will never forgive the people that did it. I went to a movie with my sister where a long time ago I was had just moved to the same city we were finally living together in the same city oh wow and she she said oh let's go to a movie and we were really excited about it this movie was Pan's Labyrinth <gasps> and it was marketed as like this fantasy weird fun sort of adventure story that was like Fantasia or it was like oh, honey. something weird like that. No, 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 no. We had no idea that there was going to be one subtitles two that it was going to be this scary, dark, sinister political sort of show. And we were like, what is going on? Yeah. I think we left the theater. <laughs> You know, I wouldn't blame we, you. But it was because we weren't 
prepared. We no. weren't ready. We no. we walked in thinking this was going to be like going to Hogwarts, and it was it was like walking into Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, there was a lot of blood and some screaming and a little telekinesis. It was this very little, weird. This little scary hand monster. And we were just like, okay. And the, the eyeballs <laughs> yeah. in the head. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. oh, honey. That just so, makes yeah. me so sad. We, but yeah, Ooh. so when whenever someone says, oh, I felt duped when I watched this, I will always think of Pan's Labyrinth. And so in this context, I think if I walked into a theater and I saw this and I got sort of beat over the head with something I was not ready or prepared for. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the sort of infiltration I was not ready oh, to babe. to receive. That's the only points unless you have something fun that you wanted to talk about with the show about. No, I think that was an excellent journey. And I'm really, that's why I'm really grateful for these show notes episodes, because I mean, of course we could try to fit all of that into our main, but then I wouldn't have this opportunity to be able to really start thinking about this with the you know luxury of having time in between these. I, yeah. I, think I always say show great. notes is good because it's like, we get to sort of unpack and give you the hard facts, the breakdowns, the whatever right away. Yeah. And then we get, we get like a week in between. We get to think about some stuff and yeah. be like, Oh yeah, we didn't get to talk about this. Oh, I wanted to dive into that. Oh, we got that wrong. Let's, let's figure that out. Yeah. So I really like just sort of unpacking a little bit more. So that's you what just, these, it's meant. It's what it's meant for. Exactly. You do take the lead in this, giving us these points to talk about because I, I'm finding more and more as we do this show that I am very good at reacting and talking with you about things. I am rarely good at actually leading the conversation. So I'm very grateful that you support me in this way where you're like, here is a question. Please answer this. It's great. I love it. That's fine. It uh, fulfills my lifelong dream of being a dramaturg. So I get to... <gasps> look at a show i get to look at our performance even of covering a show yes. and be like what did we screw up <laughs> <laughs> that is in fact your executive prerogative <laughs> which we need to uh go into with our next segment with a quick cast for ruthless I'm going to throw marbles under you while you're trying to get it. Oh, well, you know what? With my lack of balance, I would break my neck immediately. That would be lovely. Ruthless. Ruthless. <laughs> oh, my God. I love marbles because here's the thing of that, though, that you could make that a very final destination thing where, oh, no, my bag of marbles just broke. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, I think that would be very funny. Can you imagine Ruthless in a Final Destination universe? Oh my god, that's all. I think that's I think that's Ruthless too. That's a crossover. Off. Yes, I love it. Oh my god, yes. Hey, if Nonsense can have like seven different shows, uh, I think Ruthless can have a, a sequel. Ruthless needs a sequel. Nonsense needs none I, more. I'm going to guarantee you, we will never be covering Nonsense. Thank the gods above that we are I, not. We, we will have to be scrounging the bottom of that $5 Walmart DVD barrel to to do nonsense. I'm going to state that right now. You know, I would I would gladly watch Oklahoma again before yeah. I would do nonsense. I'd cover Phantom of the Opera seven more times before doing nonsense. Excuse me? <laughs> you would do 21 more Weber installments? Tw 21, 21 more. 21. In fact, Love Never Dies, let's go. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, 
<laughs> you heard it here. It's, that's a contractual obligation, Stephen. All right, cool. gonna hold you to that. Um, so, quick cast quick for ruthless. Let's do this. So, as we know, normally Miss Mary actually rocks up with her selections, but I'm feeling a little bit feisty this evening, and so what Ooh, did I do? A little ruthless. A little you might ruthless. Say. You would say that, and it's true. I am rocking up to this recording. Sans preparation. This is all Ooh. raw and vulnerable, Mary. Ooh. Here you go. Ooh. This is what I have for Ooh. you. <laughs> and so, in the spirit of that, I am going to quick cast this for you raw without any sort of predetermined selections. I and I want to see so much. I want to see how my brain can actually do this. Um, so, I want to see how my brain's going to do this. Oh okay, my God, go. right? You and I are both in this boat together. I'm very excited. Oh man. There's no oars and it's on fire. Captain of the dinghy. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that there are six people that we need to cast because Louise and Eve double, right? Yes. And then every, of course, everyone else is, is who they are. So yeah, Louise and Eve double. Um, so that leaves us with Judy, Tina, Sylvia, Myrna, Louise, and Lita. So that is who we're dealing with. Kay. All, you know, female powerhouses or, you know, female presenting or however you yeah. identify. And because we did also say, like, no one really cares. We could even throw some men in here. Yes. Especially for Sylvia. I feel like to do it true, like Sylvia should be cast as a as a man portraying a woman in that way. For the last few episodes, as we know, I usually come up with two different people, right? So because that is, you know, preparation, Mary. This is raw, fun, feisty, Mary. You just said that Sylvia should be a man portraying a woman. I'm going to start with Sylvia then because here's the first name that popped into my head. Sure. RuPaul. How dare you? And that makes so much sense. RuPaul. Yes. Just, I would have never thought of that, yet it's the thing that's, like, right in my face. Right? Yeah. Right? Of course. RuPaul. And that's okay. the smartest that I'm going to be in this segment. Everything else will be floundering. I love this. Okay. <laughs> well, it's good, I think, to start with that staple because of the fact that Sylvia is kind of integral to a lot of the things that happen because this show is an ensemble show. You need to be able to have equal power, I think across all of your characters, but each of them needs to stand out in their own right. And I feel that RuPaul would absolutely do that. Okay. Let's backtrack and let's go to Judy. So Judy, who is also um, uh, Ginger Del Marco, needs to kind of have this ability to chameleon, to go from a 50s housewife into a Broadway vixen across two uh, acts. And I think they also need to be able to kind of show that slow transition and they need to be able to have that kind of slow burn prowess. Oh, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to... Leah Michelle? Uh, you know, as much as I don't want to say yes It's to kind that, of a yes, right? There's something, because, yeah. Because I don't think in the end you're supposed to like her, per se. No. And she has that range in the chops, and I'd believe it. Yeah. I'd actually believe it. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong. Okay. So let's put a pin in Leah we'll, Michelle. We'll pin that one. Yeah. I don't, I don't hate that. Um, I actually have a fun male cast <gasps> if we wanted to like Tell go me. with another drag performer. Gender Unlocked, uh, let's go. Call me a little crazy if we wanted to Eddie Redmayne <gasps> as Judy. Oh. Because when Ooh. he played the Danish girl, it oh. was superb. We know he got the vocal chops and he got those acting chops. And sure I could, it would be a weird acting exercise for him, but that's just throwing it out there. I think what you said has a little bit more weight and uh, regular casting wise for this role. But I just, as a little bit of a gender unlock, that could be interesting. That would actually be very intriguing to watch. I would absolutely be, I would get behind that in a second. So then let's slide down to Tina. So let's sure. look at little... Let's get our three, our three mains out of the way. Yes, little teeny Tina. Okay. Go on. Go on this weird, funny, stupid journey with me. Because oh. this, is, this, is this is what's going on in my head. Immediately. Take me. Let's go. She's short. She got pipes. She's older, but can play young. Okay. Throw on that little doll wig and the little kid doll dress. Ariana Grande. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> that is kind of a dangerous talent to be able to play young, but she would have the fire to be able to commit murder, but then the sugar to caramelize and make herself sweet that no one would know it was her. Yeah. That's, ooh, that's tempting. Ooh, Steven, yeah. that's so tempting. not an actual like child child. No, but, but someone who can play young because I mean you could make this show. The, the age want. is unlocked with this, and that's yeah. what Joel has absolutely said. Just like it doesn't even matter, gender doesn't matter, age doesn't necessarily matter, as long as the talent is there. Yeah. And that's why I'm kind of thinking the look can be there, the talent is there, and I think the ability is there. So absolutely. I'm, I'm throwing that out based upon like our other casting choices. I think it. It's kind of fun and it's a little weird, but yeah, I, Ooh, okay. And I feel like that would definitely track as far as who we have cast already making yeah. it appear as though, you know, maybe not that we need to make it appear as though people can be related to one another, but it does build the right picture, right? It puts yeah. people in the, but we don't know who these people's parents are at all. We exactly. don't know the fathers. No, we don't know the fathers. No, we have no so, idea. We have no idea. Yeah. I think, Ooh, yeah, I really, Ooh, yeah, I'm in, I'm on board. I like it. Sweet. I like it. Okay. Um, Okay, so then let's let's Fosse over to Myrna. We need someone who can who still has vocal ability, who can reasonably portray a a failed Broadway actress. Okay, you recently shoved this person out, so I'm going to try to help you with this one. Oh my god! I vetoed help her me. before, okay. but I think she'd do well in this particular role. Okay. Kathy Bates. <gasps> you want to know that was actually the name that was right on the tip of my tongue for this one? Good. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So that just means we're in agreement. Yeah, but. I'm on I'm on board with Kathy Bates. I think that Kathy is the number one pick, I feel, for that. Because she's got she's got the vocal ability. She also has the salt that you need for that, I think. And the little bit of like kind of giving up on the world, but still go having to trudge through life. So I think yeah. 
I think that's accurate. And I, I, you know, I just adore when we're on the same page because that just makes my life so harmonious to use a, <laughs> a pun absolutely intended. Next, we're going to look at Louise, who then also doubles as Eve. Now, this is something, too, that Louise does not have to double as Eve. This could be... Um, you know, if you are looking for something that's easy casting, then you mm -hmm. could have someone who doubles as Eve. So knowing that, I'm going to make this, you know, this person an adult who then can play young, kind of like Ariana Grande. This is so weird. So you may not be with me on this, and that's okay. totally okay. Jennifer Aniston. Oh, no. Because as Louise, she could totally have the attitude of, well, my parents bought me this role and meh, heh, heh, I don't have to be good. And then coming back as Eve, she could absolutely have the venom to be able to try to take down Ginger Del Marco. I don't, I don't know. I don't, that's so weird. Right? It, but, that's but I, so weird. Okay. I think that in, in contrast with Leah Michelle. And or Eddie yeah. Redmayne and also RuPaul. I think that dynamic would be very fun. That whole second act in the apartment. Can you imagine those three? Oh, oh yeah. That would be Although, very fun. So follow me on this because I, I think maybe someone who wants like a second coming or a comeback story. Yeah. Someone like in real life. Yeah. My brain was like heading towards like a like a Lindsay Lohan, Amanda Bynes sort of situation. But I don't hate what you're throwing out. But I'm just saying. You said Amanda Bynes, and that should have been my first yes. Because she can play. She was a child actress. She could absolutely put pigtails on her. She's instantly 12. Oh, see, done. Jennifer Aniston, I love you. Get the f*** out of here. It is absolutely Amanda Bynes. <laughs> okay, cool. Wow. And actually, this is kind of fun because then Ariana Grande and Amanda Bynes have both played Penny Pingleton in Hairspray. Oh, see, it all comes around again. Okay, so the last person that we have to look at then is Lita. And so I've been trying to rack my brain with this because with the ensemble that we have put forth, we need somebody who can, again, balance kind of that power that we talked about earlier. And I think that with the character of Lita, she is someone who has had to kind of live with this fact that she you know, stole a baby when it was young. And uh, I mean, yes, albeit under the guise of doing something right and, you know, trying to do right by a child. And she is a person who is in an industry that she absolutely does not like. And she has an entire song called I Hate Musicals. And she writes about it, but she still has some sort of love for it. And she is also kind of single-handedly the reason why Ruth Del Marco has ended her own life. So we are led to believe as an audience. And so this, this is going to be so weird, babe. And I know I just said that, but go with me on it for a minute. Um, Sigourney Weaver? What? <laughs> right, right? I, I, but, I mean, it's, okay, thoughts? I, <laughs> I'm actually on board with this. That's <gasps> really cool Yay. casting, actually. Right, because it's just like, you, you know that she would have the power to be able to kind of be this authoritarian in the industry, and have yeah. a weathered kind of like feel to her personality. But then like she can get really animated when she wants to be. 
And I think oh, that would yeah. be a great. She can be my gatekeeper. Oh my god! I am the. Uh... Oh god, she's the most beautiful keymaster. Um, but I feel like that would be really elegant to have her up against Leah Michelle and or Eddie Redmayne in or kind of in beautiful contrast to RuPaul. Like, I feel like that would just be kind of a great little tango to watch them all do it. Right. So interesting. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think that's it. I mean, only I'm also getting like heartbreakers energy, which is actually a film. I don't understand how it hasn't become a musical yet. I do not understand. It's on my list of like films to convert into musicals. I copyrighted. I'm taking credit for it right now. No one can do this. Yes, no one. And absolutely no one. I, d- I just don't understand. It's got larger than I anyway, that's a whole other tangent and a whole other show. It really <laughs> is. And but I mean one day we'll do that. But I think only closely followed by Glenn Close, I think would be the only <laughs> other person that I could see. Because, of course, we already have established her as Cruella, kind of in this oh, role yeah. of doing oh, something. She, but she's like that stalwart in Hollywood that just never gets the, like, recognition that she needs. And she would absolutely come in a little bit jaded. Like, right? that would be amazing. So, I, yeah. yeah. She, she's the understudy. Okay. We'll, we'll, that's the B cast, absolutely. Ah, uh, she's the, she's our two-show girl. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, then let's recap. Looking at this, we've got, so Judy is either Leah Michelle or Eddie Redmayne, depending on whether or not you're doing a gender-unlocked version of this. Of course, yeah. Uh, Tina is going to be Ariana Grande, or um, uh, no, is or um, no? Yeah. Yes. Okay. You're right. Yep. You're right. Okay. You're right. I'm right, and it's we're all here. Um, right. <laughs> moving right along. Uh, Sylvia is RuPaul. Myrna. Kathy Bates. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Kathy Bates. I am Kathy Bates. Did you just have an actor's nightmare? I. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Say it with my eyes. Say it with my eyes. <laughs> Please, God, help me. Did you like that? That I'm just looking at the camera like, like help me see it. It's cannabis. <laughs> Louise, who is also Eve, Amanda Bynes, which I just, I still really kind of, that tingles the back of my brain, that casting. And then Lita Sigourney Weaver. I'm here for this cast. I'm kind of living for this, actually. It's very... Very eclectic, but very well balanced. Just like a fine wine, it's very yeah. balanced. And I, I trust everyone in this casting to to have that stylized energy and have that camp level and yes. that presentation factor that yes. we're looking for. So, I think so. I think we, I think we hit it. Excellent. Well. Uh, babe, I mean, now that we have this beautiful cast of characters and we've already gone through this excellent cerebral exercise, I mean, I feel like the next logical place we have to go from here is our fabulous land, right? Yeah. Want to follow me up to that catwalk, Mary? I want to show you some jump rope tricks. It's okay. The asphyxiation will wear off when you die. 
<laughs> okay, in a very legitimate sense, I don't think I've ever been more afraid of you in my life than I have been right in this moment. We've all got a little bit of Tina inside us, don't we? Oh, honey. Uh, you know, I, I would love to say that I am actually, I have the capacity to be that sinister. I don't know if I could. I think that I would pretty much break immediately or I would apologize. It would be very weird. I feel like I, many a time, have just said, just let me know and the body will be in your driveway in the morning. I feel Ex- like I've told you that many times. Oh, you have. And um, it's a beautiful, I just, I, I love the offer. I shouldn't admit that to a public podcast, but um, you know, that's okay. It's fine because <laughs> there are no names disclosed. No one knows what's happening and I will never tell the Tomorrow, media. Tomorrow there's a body in your driveway and I'm absolutely being brought in. It's and you're okay. in jail. It's fine. All right, babe. Well, okay. I am afraid of heights, but I'm on this catwalk with you and you're over there with a jump rope. What exactly are we doing up here? So funny that we bring this scenario up because I want to pose something to you that I think the script almost accidentally made a secondary thought. Oh, interesting. Go on. What if Tina didn't kill Louise Lerman? Oh, really? Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. It kind of doesn't change the fact that Judy slash Ginger is on the path to finding out that she is Ginger from her mother. Like, this would have happened regardless. Right. Whether or not Tina committed this crime against Louise. Right. Would this then change Judy slash Ginger's trajectory for the rest of the show? Because... Tina would not have had to go to juvenile detention. Right. But she is now afforded the knowledge that she has talent mm-hmm. and is this person with this ability. Insofar as Ginger slash Judy's trajectory, I think you are correct in that I don't necessarily think it would change it. I feel like the storyline that this affects mostly is Louise, right? The Lerman family, right? Louise and Betty. Because, you know, we we find out that Eve is Betty Lerman, who has come back to try to avenge her daughter and then has figured out that this life could be a thing. So that is very kind of specific to her character. So if we broaden the lens and get away from that and look, actually not broaden, we we change focus to Ginger, it could be very interesting to see how it would play out to have both mother and daughter almost competing really in a way as far as talent is concerned because you know we've spent the first act with judy being supportive to tina and oh i'm a supportive mom i'm always here for you of course dear like it's that is her automated response for her to then figure out that she has talent and and she's all of a sudden looking for her light and she's you know trying to embrace this new thing. I don't know if Tina would let her because Tina is so used to being in the spotlight. I wonder if Tina would have tried to kill her mother. That's almost what I was thinking. I'm weird in of, simpatico this episode. So, no, it sort of shifts yeah. because oh, absolutely. then her biggest competition is no longer this person at school yeah it's her it's mother her own flesh and blood yeah. yeah we sort of get to see it in angel mom we get to yes. see that she is good mm-hmm. and this is that moment where we sort of start seeing judy slash ginger be this talented person that she was always supposed to be in a way mm-hmm. 
Now, I'm going to try to 180 this maybe and say maybe they wouldn't because they kind of all had this beautiful synergistic family moment Mm -hmm. of that combined talent. Yeah. Where even Judy says, hey, Tina, take the third chorus or whatever. Oh, yeah. And so like they do end up being able to work sort of in this vibe. Sure. I do ultimately think it would have come to a head like it does at the end of the show Mm -hmm. where they all are in the same room and they are all talented. Would it have just sped up the ending of the show in a way? Do you think that the reveal of Ruth Del Marco being Sylvia would be as powerful if we did not have this return of Tina from juvenile detention or juvenile lockup because of the murder? Like, does that still hold weight? Here's the funny thing. And I, maybe I will look this up for a different show notes and I'll update you this here. Because I I looked a little bit and I gave up because I couldn't find it. But I wanted to learn more about this original one act musical that was the original source of this that made the musical director want to do a full-fledged one. Where it was a one act musical. This musical was probably act one. And maybe it ended in this sort of similar fashion of like everyone maybe killing each other and, you know, kind of dying. And maybe Sylvia reveals herself as Ruth in at the end of this more quickly, because I always felt like maybe that's when that should have happened anyway, as opposed to being a second act extended reveal. Mm -hmm. If it were to go back to this sort of condensed version, and I only bring that up because because we now talk about it being sped up, Mm -hmm. does that ultimately mean that this show is sort of still hurting a little bit from this one act musical life that it had where so much was used in that space that we're only just extending some of this extraneous superfluous story Mm -hmm. that wasn't ever needed or wanted to begin with? Yeah. Oh, my. All right. Well, I'll give you back your pippy wig. You can go do your show this time. Still a little bit afraid of you. Final thoughts on Ruthless. The, the longer I sat thinking about this show, I think it's less memorable even than what we said, because I think we both agreed this wouldn't be around mm-hmm. in, in 50 years or so. Yeah. Yes, I would still show this to aliens, of course. Of but course. I appreciate this show so much. And like I said, I will always go see a version of this show at whatever theater I can. Sure. Um, do I think about the show at all when it's not at the forefront of my mind? No. Mm-hmm. But will I always say this is one of my favorite cute little cult musicals? Absolutely. Music is not memorable. C'est la vie. I found a new audition piece. Woohoo! And you know what? Sometimes that's all you can ask for if you find, you know, a new song to throw in your audition pack, which is always good to refresh, by the way, for anyone who uh, hasn't gone through and pulled out those songs that you haven't sang in like 15 years and you can't hit those. Take it out. Take, Take it, it out. out. It's literally like a piece of clothing in your in your closet. If you haven't worn it in six months, you're not going to wear it in six months. Take it out. Here's <laughs> here's my here's my audition binder PSA. What are your final thoughts on Ruthless, Miss Mary? So, uh, very much kind of echoing the same thing as you. It was a wonderful 
kind of excursion into a a really good thought exercise, something that a lot of actors, uh, myself, I'm speaking mostly for myself, have probably toyed with that notion. What would I do to get the lead role in X show? And I think that this is a great way to kind of put that into a story form that gives people the ability to relax into the camp of it all, to buy into this absurd universe so quickly. And it's just a good little, you know, run through a fun house at a carnival and you see distorted images and you get a little jump scare and you see a little blood but then you come out at the end of it and you're like, well, that was weird, but fun. And I feel like that's just the best way for me to describe this musical. Oh it is weird. Oh my gosh, I love that. I think we need a whole new category called Fun House Musicals. Oh like, my god, That's yay. what this is. Perfect. That's absolutely what this show is. We will call it a Fun House Musical. I love that. Now, my favorite portion of this take me out of my misery what All right. what is the what is the show we're covering next time so i believe the clue that i gave you last time that the original script for this show was made by a person working at a video rental store yes okay now i was a little tricky with this one uh I actually meant not the musical script, the source material script <gasps> was made by a person devil. working at However, it's a well-known fact about this particular show, so I thought maybe, funny you mentioned John Waters a little earlier, uh, it feels like a John Waters film that could be turned into a musical, but it's not. It's oh. actually a Daniel Waters show, and it's a fun show about the original Mean Girls. You might know them as Heather, <gasps> Heather, and Heather. Oh. We're going to be covering Heathers. Oh my god! Yes! I'm so excited! Maybe something to mention too. This will be our season finale show. Oh, we've come to the end of our season! I also have a fun bonus episode I want to do after, so it's kind of like the... Yay. It will be the absolute last musical we cover this season, but I want like an extra fun sort of bonus episode for all of you out there. Um, and I'll just say it's going to be a fun roller coaster through the last season we've given you all. Oh my God, yay. Okay, well, I have so much to look forward to. We have so much to look forward to. We do. Um, Before we shuffle off with our uh, collective uh, jump ropes and uh, murder plots, do you want to uh, drop our socials for folks who are listening? Sure, do. Uh, please, absolutely, you must follow, like, subscribe, belding, whatever, like heart, Swipe right. Swipe right <laughs> <On>. always. <laughs> <laughs> on uh, from the top underscore podcast on Instagram. And if you would like to join the conversation, if you have show ideas, if you blatantly hated what we covered, if you have a correction for us, please email us at podcast from the top at gmail.com. Uh, we are building our season two as we speak, and I'm really excited about it. It's actually going to be a fantastic second season and I feel like we're coming into our own where we're getting a really great followership yes. and thank you to all of you who are listening it really is amazing to even just know that 
one of you is out there listening and looking forward to us every week. But we have so many more than that. And it is a blessing to have all of that. But we do really want you guys involved and part of the conversation. So please always reach out, like, join the conversation with all the rest of your FTT fam. Yay! Oh, I'm still so unbelievably grateful that I get to do this with you every week that this came from a seed of what if we did this thing together and every time I tell people that we do this their faces light up and it's just such a cool little niche that we get to do folks until next time this has been from From the the top Top, a wandering unicorn production Would you rather have been shot by Tina or hanged by Tina? I would have rather been shot because then I wouldn't have to hear her stupid monologue about how cool she is while I dangle by my neck. Lita had it right when she died doing her favorite thing, drinking.